You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 84 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in my kitchen studio this week is my co-host, Matt. Hello. Good morning. How is everyone? We're all fine. We've had yeah. breakfast. We have everything. had breakfast. Scrambled yeah. egg on we had brown s- on wholemeal toast. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. tasty. Scrambled egg on toast. I know. I was busy chefing away as Matt was getting the uh, yes. video feeds and stuff ready for the show. Oh, yes, yes. Piles of technology I brought with me. I know. Yes. I know. <laughs> so welcome everyone. Episode eighty-four. Then, and it is October the thirty-first. I know. It is Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> You've scared everyone away. Yes. Oh, yes. dear. It's terrible, isn't it? So yes. it is the 31st of October, and the time is quarter past ten in the morning. It is, yes. Yes, yes. it's a Saturday morning we're recording Saturday today. morning, yeah. It's a bit different today. Yes. And uh, we've got uh, loads of news, including um, some mm. some breaking news, but yes. that's uh, coming up soon. We'd like to welcome everyone who's joined us in the chat room this morning. Yeah. And uh, we've got a few people in this morning and we have got Masha Gertz who's in the chat room, Paul Trickers in the chat room, uh, Ray Davis yes. is in the chat room, Rob is also in the chat Rob room. Rob and Rosie. Good morning Rob and Rosie and we have got, uh, come on you can pronounce this one properly No, this time. no because I, I was concentrating on you, you pronounce it. Short backer. That's it. Very good. Yes, yeah. I know. Or Bocker was it Bocker? Bocker, yeah. Bocker, yeah. yeah. I listen to yes. that back. Yes, but we're improving. So it's we short, are improving short, anyway. Ray Davis yes. and oh, who else have we got? Here we go. I'm just scrolling down here. Ray Davis, Paul Tricker, Matty Fab's not in yet. He must be asleep still. <laughs> Perhaps he went to a beer <laughs> festival too. Well, yeah, I know. He's, he lives in the pub. He, he has a continuous beer festival all year round. Oh. It's a tough life, but I somebody know. does actually have to do it. I know. <laughs> so what? what uh, how, how's your week been, Matt? It's been all right. Yes, I've sort of survived. It's, it's been half term this week, so we haven't had uh, too much to do. Uh, well, not that's not true. We haven't had any driving to do, but we've basically been sort of valeting or valet. I don't know quite what the correct term is. We'll say valet um, six coaches, which is, uh, as you can imagine, the size of the, those things is quite a mm. massive uh, operation. So it has basically taken us all week to polish them all up and uh, clean all the insides and things ready for um, the impending Christmas, of course, obviously, because we've got a busy time ahead with uh, with um, sort of Christmas parties and mm. things like that. So uh, And a very full day diary by the sounds of it so uh, i can't wait oh good <laughs> well i've been, been on late and enough said about that yeah. there we go <laughs> you uh, love late <laughs> no absolutely so yes printing so, uh, your books yes printing mm. printing my lovely books that i hope that Indeed. Uh, everyone around the world is is reading yes okay, yeah mm-hmm. i was actually uh, actually you say that i was in london uh, last saturday it was a week ago today that as, as everybody and i had an absolutely cracking run in and out which was which was great um, and I was sat there, and uh, my cousin, who I went to go and visit, because I was parked up for about six hours, so I was, <laughs> and he, he was showing off these two new books that he got from his favourite author, mm. and I just had a thumb through the front there, and I thought, yeah, Carlos has knackered that one. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I don't have anything to do with the printing. The paper is my sort right. Of well, you, you load stuff into mm. the machine. I put yes. the paper on. Yeah, that's my job. Mind you, having said that, they're, they're not. It's not like putting a, a ream of A4 paper in, is it? I mean, they're these massive reels and stuff. It's fascinating stuff. 
just reading, sorry, I'm just reading Ray Davis's book, Guys Playing Per Sound Check, whatever that means. Guys Playing Per Sound Check. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Ray, I don't explain. Know. Uh, hopefully, everyone yes. can hear us. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm panicking now. <laughs> can everyone hear us? I'll take it. Take it they, they can actually hear us in the chat room. Mm hmm. Um, but uh, no, we've had lots of news this week. Uh, we obviously, with the breaking news we've got this morning as well, uh, we've got um, we've got no segment from Pip this week. But nope. Pip has got obviously the school holidays uh, mm, part yes. of time with him, yeah. so he's uh, he's busy entertaining his children. <laughs> as I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I expect uh, he's playing with his drone. Drone, right? Yeah, okay, so or, or Lego. Perhaps he perhaps or he Lego. also has Lego. Yeah, perhaps he does yeah. play with Lego. Uh, we have got. Live sound not on, Ray has put. Oh, that's worrying. What is there? Is there? I'll just, hold on, let me just click on here and see if it's yeah. coming through the uh, okay. YouTube. Just reading, sorry, I'm just reading Ray. Yeah, is there? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, Live okay. sound is definitely on. Uh, refresh your, uh, Re your Refresh your, your YouTube yeah, yeah, uh, browser. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It should be there. Paul Tricker can hear us. <laughs> okay, good. Right. Excellent. So, oh, I, I, that's I need, worrying then. We better start Ray, before I have honestly. a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Oh dear, right. So, so it wouldn't have surprised me, to be honest with you, because I, I won't lie, listeners, uh, the, the assemble of all the equipment this morning was alarmingly smooth. It went very much according to plan, and we were up and running in no time, so it wouldn't have at all surprised me if something had gone wrong. I'll in, just in message it. right, but you fresh your Okay, right. Excellent. Right, we so, uh, yeah, we're going to ready. We're going to uh, kick off the show then, as yes. we do, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world. Indeed. And the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am, yes, yes, yes. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story, and it's on the uh, BBC News website we get this story, and mm. it obviously is a breaking news this morning yeah. um, of a crash of a Russian airliner mm. uh, that's crashed in central Sinai in Egypt and uh, obviously this is this is literally coming through yeah yeah as it's, it's we safe do to say show. just better to say just bear in mind um, obviously this is hot off the presses mm. details haven't officially been confirmed yet but we are just we're just sort of putting it out out there really so as it is a big story it is a big story yeah mm. definitely um a, this Russian airliner uh, carrying uh, more than 200 people uh, it's an Airbus A321 and uh, the wreckage uh, has been uh, been found in the last few hours. The wreckage has been uh, located and found. Um, it disappeared from radar screens uh, while travelling at 31,000 feet. Um, the Egyptian officials have said um, it. Uh, they've also confirmed as well that all the passengers were Russian on board. Mm. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin has ordered an official investigation into the crash. Uh, the plane was operated by a small Russian airline. Um, I'm going to try and pronounce this. Uh, it's Kogalmavia. Kogalmavia, based in western Siberia. Kogalmavia, yeah. Uh, Russian authorities say it was carrying a 217 passengers, 17 of them with children and seven crew. Uh, nearly all on board were tourists, obviously, mm. um, uh, who'd, be, who'd been visiting Sharm el-Sheikh. Uh, a centre to help relatives of the passengers were, has been set up at uh, Pulkovo Airport, uh, the news agency has been quoted as saying. Uh, initially, there were conflicting reports about the fate of the plane, some suggesting it had uh, disappeared over Cyprus, which is later, obviously, 
Um, discounted. Discounted. Yeah. Uh, but the Russian Office of Egyptian Prime Minister Sharif Ismail confirmed in a statement that uh, the Russian civilian plane had crashed in the, in, uh, the central Sinai. Uh, it added that uh, Mr. Ismail had uh, formed a crisis committee to deal with the crash. Media reports say at least 50 ambulances have been sent to the scene. The Russian Aviation Authority, Rosatysia, uh, said in a statement that Flight 7K9268 left Sharm el-Sheikh at uh, 06.51 Moscow time, or 03.51 uh, this morning, uh, Greenwich Mean Time, yeah. GMT. Uh, and had been due into uh, St. Petersburg in Pulkovo Airport at 12.10 or 10 past 12 uh, this afternoon. The authority added the aircraft failed to make a scheduled contact with Cyprus Air Traffic Control 23 minutes after takeoff and disappeared from radar. Egypt's civilian aviation ministry said the plane had been at an altitude of 9,500 metres or 31,000 feet when it disappeared. Live flight tracking service, Flight Radars 24, um, confirmed uh, that altitude. That's, that's been publicised quite a bit on the, yes, on yeah. the telly as well. Mm. Well, we were watching Sky News, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so we just got we on the in. screen there. You'll be able to see um, there's a map there. Yeah. Uh, Matt will put that on the screen so you can see. And uh, we can see there Sharm El Sheikh mm. and uh, Sinai is just above there. So the aircraft, it wasn't actually that far on no. its course, really. It only literally just taken off. Mm. Um, so obviously, you know, that is all we know at the moment. Uh, we don't know what caused the crash. Nope. Uh, we know there was a, uh, a very um, swift um, descent, mm. uh, indeed, for the aircraft. Mm. Um, Did say, did, didn't I hear right somebody was saying it was falling at an altitude of 6,000 feet per, yeah, I think per flight, blip or yeah, something? Yeah, it, it, I don't, I don't quite know how they uh, measure it. Yeah. A very, very, very fast rate indeed, mm. yeah. Yeah, but so, uh, as I say, obviously we'll keep our eyes on that as we're on the air. Obviously, guys in the chat room, uh, if you find anything else while we're uh, while we're still broadcasting, then please do chip in because yes. uh, we want to give as much information as we can. Obviously, with it uh, only being Saturday morning, so uh, yeah. so yeah, try and get as much information uh, on that story out um, before it goes out for real on Sunday. So uh, your your assistance would be appreciated. Chat room guys, get stuck in. Yes. And moving on to Indeed, our next story. yes, absolutely. So our next story. Uh, this is on the 1MK website. What is this? Uh, <laughs> it's a picture of first EasyJet flight from London Luton Airport revealed as airline near's 20th birthday. Uh, EasyJet, uh, the UK and London Luton's leading airline, today celebrated the launch of a new route to Vienna when uh, EZY2281 departed Luton on time at 7am this morning. Celebrating its 20th birthday next month, the airline has come a long way since its first flight from Luton to Glasgow on the 10th of November 1995. Uh, as the newly released first flight pick captures uh, which was attached EasyJet now flies more than 68 million leisure and business travellers a year uh, a year on over 760 routes to 31 countries including the new route to Vienna the airline is expected to fly 5 million passengers from London Luton Airport throughout this year an increase of 500,000 on uh, in the last 12 months the new service will operate twice a week all year round uh, Neville Slaven, the UK commercial manager at EasyJet, said we are delighted to be celebrating another new route from London Luton Airport. With the addition of new affordable routes, we are catering for the demand from passengers in the in the region who wish to fly from the airport. The Austrian 
Capital um, will, will be a firm favourite for those looking for a city break with a strong emphasis on historic heritage. This uh, Simon Harley, head of airline development London Luton Airport, said this summer has been record-breaking for the airport in terms of passenger numbers and it's great to think that we will continue that success into the winter. The introduction of this new route to Vienna will help meet this growing demand from passengers as the £110 million development of the airport continues we will be adding even more destinations. I must admit, Luton was very much like a building site um, when we were there. But, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. But, uh, you know, if they are, uh, you know, work is very much underway, so looking forward to sort of seeing the end result. One thing I noticed, Matt, when you're on mm. that story there, the picture that they've used on here, if you just scroll back up to yeah. the top where that photo is of the um, of that yeah. aircraft there, that EasyJet aircraft. Yeah. Now... For the listeners in the uh, chat room Mm -hmm. who will be able to see the uh, visual feed of this, for those of you in the chat room, you'll know, uh, if you know your aircraft, that's uh, a Boeing 737-200. Right. Um, That's one of the old uh, steam gauge 737s powered (laughs) by uh, their uh, Pratt & Whitney JT-8Ds engines on that. They're they're quite old. There's a lot of these still in service, but mm. you know that is what that aircraft is there. Yeah. When you look at uh, um, EasyJet's fleet history online, mm. they actually don't list them as ever having one of those aircraft. Right. Their their oldest seven three seven is a Dash three hundred okay. um, that they list as having. Which, but it clearly, uh, I mean, it's certainly got the livery on, hasn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. They had they had the three hundreds. Obviously, the next generation ones had the um, the slightly larger. Uh, I think it was CFMs they had mm. on those. But uh, that one there is definitely a two hundred. Sorry, my camera's moving. <laughs> I'm tapping, tapping the screen. screen yeah. That definitely is a is a two hundred series seven three seven on there. Mm. I think everyone in the chat room who can see that will agree. Yeah. But there you go. That's uh, reporting for you. How <laughs> now? Oh, oh! how did I get this story? This is yours. Oh, well. Oh, won't worry. It's a Ryanair story. <laughs> so, for a break... Oh how, oh, how the tables have turned. For a break in tradition <laughs> this week, then, I'm going to do a Ryanair story. Yeah, good. You can have the abuse, then, for a oh, chance. No, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So, this, uh, this one is on the Herald Scotland website. And uh, the, story, the headline, Ryanair in active talks to co-chair with long-haul airlines. Ooh. So Ryanair passengers flying uh, um, with the airline might be able to connect directly onto long-haul flights without collecting their bags or going through check-in under groundbreaking plans for the tie-up between the budget airline and major global carriers. Uh, it's understood that the Irish airline, famed for its low-cost model, is in active talks with a number of large airlines, including Aer Lingus and Virgin Atlantic, about setting up a code-share agreement. Uh, it would enable passengers. I know. It would enable passengers <laughs> to book tickets via the Ryanair website mm. to far-flung destinations in the United States, Caribbean, or South, Af- uh, South America, which are not currently served by the budget carrier, but it would be uh, by its partner airlines. It would be the first time such an agreement has been struck between a low-cost carrier and the long-haul sector. Kevin Tom of the Scottish Passenger Agents Association said it's a good move from a passenger's point of view because there's always an issue when flying with low-cost carriers. So they're providing onward connections through, uh, through bags and so on, and he thinks it's a great idea, and uh, it's, he's pretty sure that it will also bring loads more custom to Ryanair, not they need any more customers. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but uh, Aer Lingus flies to more than 100 destinations in the US and Canada from the Irish capital uh, and Dublin airport, and uh, it also boasts a US customs pre-clearance facility. So perhaps Ryanair ought to, um, to sort of branch into something like this as well. It'd be interesting to see if this uh, pans out, you know, the, the fact that you'd be able to fly with Ryanair mm-hmm. and then just jump straight onto a, uh, a long-haul carrier without... Without know, having to sing about it or do anything. Well, I mean, stuff, if, so, yeah. if they're going to make it work, that has to happen, surely. Mm. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get it to... Mm. You're going to get people to sort of take it on board, really, aren't you? I mean, let's be honest. You know, who's going to want to do it any other way? I mean, you, Another you code share, though. All these airlines love code sharing. Mm, well, you know, it's, as you say, it does give a smaller carrier... Well, not a smaller, but, you know, the, the, a carrier that normally only does sort of short haul. It does give them, you know, another string to their bow, really. And certainly if they can do something with their prices so that it is similar to if you're using Ryanair to go to Ireland, then, um, you know, it's it's a no-brainer, really. Sorry, I'm just changing device. That's why oh, we've been stuck on Carlos's camera for the moment. So, but uh, we're all we're all good now. So uh, the next story. This is on the Times of India website, and the headline is British Airways deploys its first Boeing onto the Delhi route, New Delhi. In a sign of the growing importance of Indian aviation market for the world's biggest airlines, British Airways has developed its first Boeing 787-9 on the London to Delhi route. The brand new aircraft landed in Delhi on Monday. Uh, BA's second 787-9 joined the fleet last week and will start flying to Abu Dhabi and Muscat on Ooh. the 5th of November. Other future routes include Kuala Lumpur, Austin and San Jose in California. Uh, the uh, new 787s are the centrepiece of BA's £5 billion investment programme to benefit customers. A total of 42 Dreamliners will join BA uh, and this aircraft will become the mainstay of the airline's fleet. BA's 787-9 Dreamliner is 20 feet longer than its 787-8 predecessor and has four classes with an addition of a new first cabin. Robert Williams, BA's head of sales for Asia Pacific, said we are delighted to launch our very first Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner to Delhi with a brand new first cabin. It reinforces our strong focus on India as a market which already enjoys the second largest position for us globally, our after the US and outside of the UK. At British Airways, we are committed to, um, to, to putting the... Sorry, I moved the mouse there. The customer <laughs> at the heart of everything we do, uh, offering the very best in comfort and luxury on board our flights, as well as an expansive global network covering more than 179 cities in 75 countries. Wow. Wow. So expanding, it's nice to hear, really. And it's nice to see the uh, Dreamliner being uh, deployed on mm. yeah, the Dash 9 Absolutely, being deployed, which yeah. is obviously the larger version. Yeah, definitely. On uh, on these routes, that's really good. Yeah, I like that. that. Yeah, no, I'm and not going to disagree still to fly on the, uh, on the uh, Dreamliner. I yeah, just, I absolutely. Need to, well, need to it it, it is the dream, isn't it? Living the dream. Living the dream yeah, liner, yes. <laughs> so moving on to our next story then on the Mashable UK site. Mashable UK, that's an interesting one. Mm, I've heard that one. Uh, the headline, airlines have to make passengers uh, leave bags behind in emergencies, say authorities. Uh, uh, now, this, um, that, that, it was an American one, wasn't it, where, where the, 
uh, it sort of crash landed onto the land onto was it? I'm sure it, it crash landed at an airport and they were, and everybody was picking all their bags. That up. That was a BA yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, and they were doing Vegas. absolutely nothing like what they're supposed to do essentially, and they were collecting all their belongings and still getting out of the yeah. aircraft. And well, we've had another one this week. Oh, have we? Yeah, right. we okay. had uh, we had another uh, uh, crash. Um, oh, not crash. Sorry, we had another incident this week. Yeah, um, with uh, a seven six seven two hundred. And um, again, the passengers were deplaning the aircraft um, with bags and suitcases. <laughs> and there was, there's actually, um, I'm going to have to get the story up. Hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a video someone's posted on, uh, I think it's on YouTube, it's on the news um, feeds and yeah. stuff. And there's a video of this, this aircraft, which happened a few days ago, had a fuel leak, the engine caught fire, the plane was on fire. And there's a video, very high, a full HD video, right, of uh, the passengers coming down the chutes. Yeah, and there's a there's a chap with a suitcase and a, and a, a carry on, oh, just goodness. casually walking away from the aircraft, li- <laughs> literally not even sprinting, just right. casually walking away As whilst plumes of black smoke are coming from this seven six seven behind him with fuel spraying right. out of the uh, wing, mm. and you just <sighs> you, 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 yeah. you despair almost really. So. Uh, the uh, the story then, every time you get on an airplane, flight crews spend almost five minutes explaining safety procedures, including the warning that in any event of an emergency evacuation, passengers should leave their carry-on baggage behind. But of course, passengers aren't listening, and that's concerning for the UK Civil Aviation Authority, the CAA, which issued a safety notice on Friday highlighting the importance of communicating the message to passengers. Some passengers appear uh, not to assimilate or not to heed such information and remain unaware of its, of its uh, significance to their and their fellow uh, passengers. Uh, the CAA is not only directing airlines to review their methods of telling passengers about dangers of bringing on carry-ons, but also pushing for crews to have additional training. Airlines should also review their procedures and training for passengers during an evacuation, including verbal instructions, I'd like to say some words, mm-hmm. uh, instructions to leave hand baggage behind and actions to be taken by cabin crews should passengers attempt to remove hand baggage. Mm. In other words, leave your bags behind or else the flight attendants will take them and sling them in the fire. Well, yeah, CAA did not elaborate on what uh, prompted the warning, but an engine fire and evacuation of a British Airways flight in Vegas um, this earlier is what this we year. were talking about, yeah. Um, Focus criticism on uh, passengers. As mm. the plane billowed smoke, passengers were seen coming down the emergency slides and running away from the scene with their carry-on bags. When authorities uh, test evacuation procedures for aircraft, they never include an allowance of time for passengers to get baggage out before the plane is uh, deemed um, unsafe. One of them has been evaluated for a complete evacuation in under 90 seconds and could indeed be very unsafe if passengers slow that process down. That's, um, you know, that's one... Well, we say it enough on here. You know, we don't need to... Uh, no. To, uh, no. To, to go, on, go, on, go on about it. But, I mean... But, in, I mean... In, in the situation, if you were given that situation, mm. Matt, would you, would you not, um, you know, want, want to get off an aircraft if it's... Um, well, know, yeah. I, but, I mean, I, I, I'm speaking from, you know, my experience, uh, EasyJet. Um, as I say, and I, and I don't mean this in any way negative to EasyJet. I was sitting there. I was listening to the safety briefing because it's a recorded message isn't it and then the, then the the uh, assistants sort of go through the the routine and to look around me the amount of people that had already put their headphones in 
who were already reading a book or, or all that kind of thing. And, I, you know, I get that they're probably frequent flyers and, and all that don't kind of thing. Don't need to listen but to I don't, And I don't need to listen to the safety notes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're not always getting on the same aircraft. The routines are slightly different. from Even, even if you go from the Dash 7 to the Dash 8, even. I mean, you know, the mm. procedures are yeah. different. More doors. There's more doors. You know, you, you've got to be aware. You've got to look behind you sometimes mm. to sort of see the, see the latest... Uh, latest door so i mean i i'm 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 with them i i think it's um i think it's absolutely and the caa are right they need to do something about it so a quick follow-on from that story yeah um was this week um it was a dynamic airways 767 200 er that had a fuel leak and uh, this one was up the, on the ground at uh, fort lauderdale airport hollywood mm. international airport and the aircraft had this fuel leak, and uh, we put the post on our Facebook page. If you go on our Facebook page, you'll be able to see the story mm. and the link as well to uh, to the videos and stuff. Um, and that aircraft, I mean, that was a 29-year-old um, aircraft, mm. this one that right. had fuel leak. And you'll have to look at the video for that, Matt, because yeah. um, it, it, it was unreal. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, while I do the next story, see if you can find it. Um, You'd have to do it on that one. I'll have to do it on that one, yeah. won't I? Okay. Yeah, if you go on the uh, Facebook page, you'll, yeah. you'll see it on Okay, there. all right. Well, we'll see if we can find that in the break, and we'll play it um, yeah, after we'll... the break. That'll be that'll be the best thing, because, as I say, it sounds like something I need to see, just, you know, to give me uh, even more reasons to be oh, angry yeah. with the world. Yeah. And on that subject... And on that subject. Yeah, on that subject. Uh, the uh... This one, this, <laughs> this story is so... So for Matt. Oh, that's there's no need for that. Yes, and also with Ray giving me heart attacks halfway through the show, so there is even more reason <laughs> for this. Anyway, Evening Standard is the source, and the headline is Stressed Out by Flying, Gatwick has introduced free pre-flight yoga classes. Do I look like... Seriously, do I look like someone who's capable of doing yoga? Seriously. Um, anyway, the... <laughs> There's some lovely pictures here, actually, of people doing exactly that. Uh, it's the first. It's the first airport lounge where leaving your baggage behind is not just recommended but actually encouraged. Gatwick is offering travellers to face hours uh, who face hours of cramped in economy class to chance the chance to de-stress and ward off aches and pains as pre-flight yoga sessions. <laughs> Celebrity yoga, Shona Virtue. Shown a virtue, really. Uh, <laughs> today launched the class at the airport's south terminal, offering a free service to passengers before long-haul flights. In the so-called Floga Lounge, oh, kill me, uh, a 20-minute video class will be shown on loop, featuring moves proven to help improve circulation and digestion, which are quite often put under stress in the air. Ms. Virtue, 28, has spent seven years as a yoga teacher and personal trainer and has worked with stars including Natalie Umbrulia and Lara Stone, the Australian who developed and hosts the video, told The Standard, I'm a frequent and nervous flyer and I know the physical side effects of a long-haul flight. Uh, it puts a huge amount of strain on the body and in particular the, di the digestive system, system and circulation. If you address that before the flight, you will obviously feel so much better when you get off the plane. Digestion is usually inhibited while flying because of dehydration and because the system needs movement to work properly. Uh, sitting bolt upright will inhibit that. To help circulation, I've included some inversion moves, uh, like the downward-facing dog where the, uh, where the head 
is below the heart. Uh, this move helps what's called the Venus return. I really do. I have to keep reading this story. I know it's so cool. <laughs> or getting deoxygenated deoxygenated blood to the heart. Twenty minutes is a good amount of time to prepare the body for ten hours or more of in flight, and it is certainly better than sitting in the waiting room doing nothing. Miss Virtue said yoga was also good for pre-flight nerves, adding being nervous and panicky releases adrenaline, which if sustained for long periods of time can damage the organs. Dr. Richard Daywood, who's a travel medicine expert at the Fleet Street Clinic, said a yoga workout before boarding will help uh, passengers relax their minds and their bodies, returning what can be a stressful experience into a more enjoyable and relaxing one. According to organisers, the lounge is the first such facility in the UK in a UK airport and was inspired by a service at San Francisco International um, by Nikki Barden Gatwick's uh, head of terminals and passenger services said that it will be a great way to help individuals de-stress and unwind before a flight. So you don't fancy doing yoga before you fly, then? I'm not allowed to use the words. I'm because our because <laughs> our YouTube and our uh, our uh, uh, iTunes labels both say that this is a clean, clean family a friendly clean family show. show. So know, uh, I'm afraid I, I can't use the words that I want to use. So you, uh, you don't fancy it then? No. Have you ever tried yoga? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Has anyone ever tried yoga? Anyone in the chat room ever tried ever ever tried yoga? I don't think they have. It'll, it'll take a 20-second delay anyway for them to respond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed, yes, absolutely. Yes, good news, everyone. My tablet's crashed. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got loads of action in the chat room at the moment. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, they're all doing yoga. Oh, um, clearly, yes, <laughs> absolutely. They're all stretching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, oh, uh, there's lot, lot, lots of yoga yoga in the chat room. Right, going on. is there? Yeah. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't believe you. But no, I, I see that. I see the benefits of this because it, it, I mean, a lot of people do say that this this kind of makes you um, de-stress doing yoga. So perhaps for, for people who are, um, you know, have a have a, a yeah, dislike I, of flying. I mean, I'm I'm a nervous flyer. Don't get me wrong. And I know that that but horrifies some yoga. people. But you know, I'll 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 find other ways of you know, and you know, it's advised that you don't eat in-flight food and stuff anyway. So no. yeah. <laughs> Not, not warm paninis. No, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to the next story, yes. the Hearts and Essex Observer mm. site, this one. And the headline, Mamma Mia, SAS get back at Stansted after a 14-year break with Gothenburg service. So the Scandinavian airline, SAS, uh, it's uh, the headline or the uh, story goes, it's a super trooper start to uh, Stansted's winter season. Uh, as Monday this week saw the uh, Scandinavian flag carrier SAS launch flights to Sweden, uh, Sweden's second largest city. Uh, Scandinavian's largest airline is returning to London's third airport after a 14-year absence. Gothenburg, a key business and leisure destination on the west coast of Sweden, is renowned for its cuisine and spectacular coastal scenery, inland uh, islands and inland um, parts of the uh, uh, country itself to look all look at so we're gonna have to go and go there and have mm-hmm. a holiday bears for the daily service to gothenburg start at 61 pounds oh, that's not bad very good value uh one way uh in sas go and uh, from 105 pounds one way in sas plus i suppose you get a bit more leg room uh andrew harrison stansted airport's managing director said he's delighted to welcome sas back to stansted uh, with what will no doubt be a very popular service to and from gothenburg this is great news and adds even more choice of airline to the already extensive European network on office at uh, Stansted. 
I'm sure the new service will be very uh, well received within our catchment area, especially by the business and leisure passengers wishing to travel to Sweden's second largest city. We look uh, forward to working with SAS uh, to develop a successful relationship here at Stansted. Over the coming weeks, Stansted's winter flying program will be boosted further with the launch of services to Iceland, uh, the capital, Reykjavik, with uh, EasyJet and Austrian capital, Vienna, with Eurowings. Uh, for more information, you can go on to SAS's website, uh, flysas.co.uk. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's another one of the, that's another one of those places I'd love mm. to go to Scandinavia. Yeah, and yeah that, it's a lovely part of the world. It's such a nice looking part. I mean, yeah. for sixty one quid, one way, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, you could sort of go for a Saturday, couldn't you? You could just pop over for the pop weekend, for yeah, a, yeah, yeah, or just for a day. Yeah, uh, you know. yeah, it's, it's, and it is. Uh, I've got friends who've who've lived over there, and and you know they all say it's a really lovely part of the world. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to save our pennies. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so moving on to, <laughs> on to the, next the next story. story. Yes, this is the... Um, I don't even know... I, I, I can't tell you what the website is because I'm not really sure. The official publication of the ADS, anyway. Um, ADS Advance. ADS Advance. Well, that's good. Uh, anyway, the headline is Pilot Fine for Entering Controlled Airspace Around Heathrow Airport. A helicopter pilot who illegally entered controlled airspace causing disruption to flights at London Heathrow Airport has successfully been prosecuted by the Civil Aviation Authority. Christopher Keeley uh, was flying from Wickham Air Park to uh, Cliveden House in Buckinghamshire when he entered the London Control Zone without air traffic control clearance after just after 1pm on the 30th of April this year. The infringement was spotted by air traffic controllers at Nats in Swanwick uh, who were alerted by radar to the presence of an unexpected aircraft in the zone. As a result, air traffic control was forced to temporarily halt all North Northbound departures at London Heathrow Airport. The aircraft flew southwest and up to two miles inside the controlled airspace. That's really bad, isn't it? Uh, descending to 300 feet. The aircraft disappeared from radar at around about one, one, six minutes past one in the afternoon and departures at the airport were allowed to resume. Uh, Keeley told the CAA uh, he had been to Wickham on a flight test before deciding to fly to Clevedon House for lunch. It's all right for some, isn't it? Uh, he explained uh, that uh, he'd been given directions to Clevedon House but did not have coordinates. In addition, he said that he had been listening to air traffic control but was extremely busy and as the landing area was in view, he decided to land his helicopter. He further admitted he should have waited for clearance and apologised for his misjudgment. Keeley, aged 62, of Caswell in Swansea, pleaded guilty via post to one count of entering Class D airspace in the vicinity of London Heathrow Airport without air traffic control clearance in contravention of the Air Air Navigation Order of 2009. At Uxbridge Magistrates Court on Tuesday, October 22nd, 2015, the court was told Keeley had two previous convictions for aviation offences. Oh, really? So this isn't an isolated incident. Keeley, who did not attend was fined £1,700, ordered to pay costs of £600 and a victim surcharge of £120 and a court user charge of £150. CAA prosecutor Alison Slater said, when a pilot infringes controlled airspace, the CAA has a number 
number of options it can use, including further training. However, in the most serious cases, we can and will prosecute. Uh, airspace infringements, no matter how short-lived, can cause significant disruption and the knock-on effects could mean hours of delays to thousands and thousands of people. Every pilot should know and abide by the rules of the air and we expect all pilots to plan their journeys well in advance and allow and allow for and follow the regulations. The London Control Zone is an area of Class D airspace which surrounds London Heathrow Airport and is one of the world's busiest airspaces. No aircraft can enter the zone without clearance from air traffic control. Now, you obviously are very much in the learning stages of this uh, mm. matty fab actually would be an He's ideal passed. chap yeah. to uh, to talk to about this um but and also in, indeed pip but unfortunately he's busy but uh, i mean this must clearly be a massive massive no-no and anyone mm. who's yeah. ever learned anything about aviation must know yeah, that, well, that straying into class d airspace is strictly forbidden i mean there's no excuse is there no i mean we we have you know matt you've seen mm. i've got a map we all have yeah. these charts um, I mean, not just when you're learning to fly, you have charts anyway to look yeah. at. And they've all got these, these area, these control zones mm. marked on them, clearly, yeah. telling you what they are. Um, and, and where you can and can't the, go. Yeah, exactly, and, yeah. the frequencies you have to contact yeah. and the height, le- the flight levels you've got mm. to, and this, that, and the other. And you, you obviously have notice to airmans, no, uh, notice yeah. to airmen, no times that you yeah. have to read, and it tells you specific stuff that, that's, mm. that's going on around... And you have, even me as mm. a student pilot, you've got yeah. no excuse to <clears throat> to go mm. and to do anything like this, uh, you know. Yeah, it's just a bit, it's a massive, massive no-no. Mm. And I, th- I think, I think if I'm brutally honest with you, uh, he's obviously got plenty of money if he can afford to fly his helicopter from, you know, s- somewhere for lunch. And he doesn't have, he doesn't give the court the courtesy of attending in person. I mean, I think that's I think that's really rude, you know. Given how, given the severity of whether it's because he was too embarrassed or what, I don't know. But I mean, you know, we've all done silly things in our life, and sometimes you yeah. just have to face up to the music, and you have to be a man and go and take your punishment. Honestly, the punishment may not have been that bad yeah. if he'd have actually had the well balls, frankly, to yes. go there in person. <laughs> exactly. You know. Well, yeah. very silly man, and, and and well done to the CAA for successfully prosecuting. That's what I say. Yeah, if you're flying. Make sure you follow the rules. Read the ma- read the manual for yes, goodness. Read the manual exactly. <laughs> so next story uh, on the newsday dot com site. This one and the headline: British Airways crew sees drone flying uh, during. Uh, uh, the landing at JFK. Oh my goodness! Uh, the crew of a British Airways flight reported seeing an unmanned aircraft on Thursday while preparing to land at Kennedy Airport. The Federal Aviation Administration have said. FAA officials said the crew from the British Airways Flight 177, a Boeing 777 aircraft, reported seeing the drone at about five miles northeast of the airport, flying between 1,800 and 2,200 feet at about 5 p.m. in the evening. The flight in question was on approach to runway 22 left at the time, the FAA have said. Uh, the FAA notified the NYPD and the sighting is being investigated, the spokesman said. The FAA reports of unmanned uh, aircraft have increased dramatically during the past year from 238 sightings in 2014 to more than 650 by August this year, including some incidents which pilots have uh, had to take action to avoid hitting them. The agency which regulates the use of drones said they must stay five miles away from any um, airport and keep below 400 feet. 
Uh, drone operators are supposed to avoid stadiums and people and operate only during daylight hours. Mm. New proposed rules by the FAA would limit unmanned aircraft to less than 55 pounds and would mandate the visual line of sight be maintained between the operator and the aircraft at all times. If the rule is passed, drones would be able to fly up to 500 feet and 100 miles per hour, but not near airports or directly above people. Operators would also have to pass an initial aeronautical knowledge test at an FAA-approved testing centre and be vetted by the Transportation Safety Administration, or the TSA, Mm. uh, and obtain an unmanned aircraft operator certificate with small UAS rating that never expires also, and also pass a recurrent aeronautical knowledge test every 24 months Mm. and be at least 17 years of age. Right. Uh, this is another yet yeah, another story about mm. drones, um, um, people flying drones stupidly near mm. airport. I mean, this is obviously ridiculous. I mean, uh, JFK is one of the busiest airports mm. in the states, mm. and um, you know, for them to see this, uh, you know, to be able to see the drone, it must have been a fairly decent sized one. Yeah, you know, uh, you know one of the um, larger uh, quadcopter type, dr- uh, type drones. So. I mean, we were saying before we started recording, actually, didn't we, that uh, it's, it's only going to be a, the, the, the how frequent these these, these errors of judgment mm. are. I mean, it's going something catastrophic is going to happen very soon, and as soon as it does, there's going to be a knee jerk reaction, quite rightly, I suppose, in in some respects, for um, you know the 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 CAA and and the other other agencies where they have to do something about it and. Mm. Uh, you know, for it's usually as the same old story. The mon- minority spoiling it for the majority, isn't it? So most people are flying their drones in sensible airspace. They're having great deals of fun. They're getting lovely shots of their house. They're you know they're, they're doing amazing, amazing things. Uh, and then you get the small minority that just cannot resist and take themselves off to an airport, do something stupid. One of these days, it's going to get sucked into the jet engine. Mm. The the airplane is then going to crash on the ran on. You know, it's just going to hit the ground. It's cause it, yeah, yeah. It, it, something will happen. I think yeah. you know, it's terrible. It's but it, you know something is yeah. going to happen if uh, this continues like this. Yeah. And it, I wonder, Matt, just how many uh, of these are going to be Christmas presents this year? Mm, oh well, I mean, I'm hoping for one. But <laughs> <laughs> really, I am. I am. But to, actually, Shirt has made a very good point here. It says, uh, "I read that the EU wants to have chips in all drones." That's a brilliant idea, yeah, isn't that'd it? That'd be good. That is a brilliant. Just a little RF tag so that mm. they can. Uh, yeah, that's a brilliant if you, idea. The, the, the more expensive drones, like the DJI Phantoms yeah. and stuff, the DJI yeah. Phantom Three, yeah. um, which is seven hundred quid, mm. um, they have. I'm, I'm not getting one of those for Christmas. No, I'd <laughs> love one of those. They have uh, inbuilt GPS trackers in, so you can, right? Yeah, so, so if you, you can, did lose one, yeah, you, you could find, find it. it yeah, it's really cool. But presumably that that can also be used mm. to track the device if it goes somewhere it shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I can't remember which one Pip has got, but Pip's got um, mm. a quadcopter drone with a with an HD camera on. Cool. Uh, but obviously Pip uses his safely. Well, of course he would do. Um, but no, I'd he love fly him. for real, can't he? Yeah, so, no, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, he doesn't need to fly a drone. He flies, a, he flies a jet. No, <laughs> I know. But no, I'd, I'd but it must be fun for little Isaac, though. Mm. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. So moving on to the next story. and uh, Indeed, yes, sorry. Uh, the next story, and this is uh, Flight Global is the website, and it's uh, Aeroflot to take on A47. Uh, A47? Sorry, that was a <laughs> Aeroflot to take on the 747s after Transco collapsed. Russian flag carrier Aeroflot is to introduce Boeing 747s uh, into its fleet as a result of the fallout from the collapse of rival Trans. 
uh, Transero. Uh, the airline has provisionally agreed to lease four 747s as part of a package negotiated uh, with Sherbank's leasing arm. The package includes 10 Boeing 737-800s which will enter service in 2016, says the Federal Air Air Transport Authority Ros is it Rosavia we were struggling with this earlier wasn't it it's Rosaviatia I think is uh is the pronunciation it what it has not identified the 747 variant include involved but Transero operated several 747-400s including four from an Irish Sherbank uh, leasing affiliate according leasing company, yeah. to uh, Flight Global Fleet's analyzer database uh, the the authority adds that Aeroflot is discussing additional lease of aircraft owned by Russian banks VTB and VEB it puts the Transero fleet at 100 106 aircraft termination of operations means the airline fleet is not used for transport, it states. Aeroflot is taking on additional capacity in order to fill part of the void left by Transero's grounding on the 26th of October. Over the weekend of the 24th and the 25th of October, just before Transero's operating certificate was withdrawn, several of its aircraft were flown from Moscow to a storage facility at uh, Terrell in eastern Spain. These aircraft included at least six 747-400s as well as uh, 767-300ERs and around a dozen 737s. Transero has been undergoing a fleet modernisation and a number of new Airbus A320 family jets bound for the airline have been flown directly from the assembly line to storage. Uh, this modernization also included orders for four Boeing 747-8s and four 7-bus A3... Uh, Sorry, four Airbus A380s as well as some A320 Neo jets. Transero was also in line to take uh, Suikhoi Superjets and uh, Earcut MC21s and was a tentative customer for the A330 Neo. Over the first nine months of this year, Aeroflot has expanded its fleet with three Boeing 777-300ERs, six 737-800s and four Superjets while removing five, and I can't pronounce that one, is it um, um, Illusion? Illusion. Well Illusion. done. Oh, thank you. you. Yes, well yeah. Five Illusion, uh, I want to say... IL-96s. IL-96s, right, okay. Uh, this uh, its fleet at the end of September stood at 163. The carrier states, while the Aeroflot Group overall has 261. So they're basically hoping to pick up the slack by the sound of it. Yeah, I mean, they're, as we we've covered this story a few mm. weeks ago about Transaero. Yeah, um, they filed for bankruptcy on October the first uh, this year, and ceased operations on the 15th, and then um, all all operations are going to cease by the 15th of December. Um, and they obviously had their license. Um, revoked on the 26th of October, which is only a few days ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, Transero, um, they they had quite a few orders, like you just said, Matt. They got they had quite a few orders for aircraft. Yes, I don't uh, think they're going to be completed. Yeah. Um, but they've obviously completed them. They're just they're just moving into storage. Maybe um, Transero is going to take them up. Uh, uh, Aeroflot. Aeroflot yeah. is going to take them. Then up. They've got nine seven four seven four hundred mm. Transero had, so it'd be interesting to see. Mm. But no, they had uh, they had quite a lot of work aircraft on order. So yeah, um, a bit well, as, well, as we said before, it's a bit sad. The really sad the sad thing, well, it is sad, but any airline, um, mm. you know, has has issues and stuff yeah. uh, like this. But it's also sad as well because on their website early this year, they'd posted that they were they were ch changing their livery. Mm. They had a or they had a actual a new livery right. paint. 
and everything um, ready to go on their aircraft. Wow. For next year, and mm. obviously that's not going to happen now. So, I should just uh, apologise, by the way, as you probably noticed, my camera is flickering very badly for some reason. We're not really sure why. I think it's to do with light issues because we had a bit of a problem to start off with. But uh, I will try and do something about that in the break. So, apologies for that. So, next story, moving on on Flight Global's site, and um, this is a headline. is uh, It's a picture uh, story, and the airline Air Europa. Uh, revamps uh, its uh, livery before the 787 arrival. So Spanish carrier uh, Air Europa has unveiled a new colour scheme for its fleet ahead of delivery of its Boeing 787s. The airline has already painted an Embraer 195 uh, registration Echo uh, Charlie Kilo Romeo Juliet in the revised livery, which comprises of a simple blue and white design. Uh, with a revised uh, version of its logo and a lowercase AE on the uh, on the fin. Uh, Air Europa says the livery features a crisper, clearer typeface, which will serve to make us more visible. Uh, it says it's undergoing a modernization process which demands a more visual and modern brand. Air Europa has begun using a 787 leased from Polish operator LOT. Air Europa has been using a 787 leased from Polish operator LOT, but is due to take delivery of 8787 8s and 14787 9s. Now, Matt, if you put this shot yep, on the screen, yep. uh, you'll be able to see. There we go. There's Air Europa's new uh, livery um, on one of their Embraer aircraft. There. Cool. Um, Looks very plain, I suppose. It does. It, yeah. I like blue. It's, it's blue's simple, my favourite colour. I like simple though. Simple is is the. I was like with the website when I designed that. It yeah. just, simple is is the only way forward. I remember many years ago. Those of you in the chat room may remember years and years and years and years and years, mm. and years ago when I was young. Um, remember the airline Air Europe. Right. And I flew yeah. with Air Europe many times. They were they were quite a popular air, airline mm. back in the early nineties. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, on to the final story, and the headline is, uh, uh, this is on Flight Global, and the headline is, China signs for 130 Airbus jets. China has signed with Airbus for 130 jets in a deal worth $17 billion. The agreement covers 100 Airbus A320 family aircraft and also includes the firming of options for 30 A330s, says a source familiar with the deal. This uh, was inked in Beijing on the 29th of October during a meeting between Chinese Premier uh, and, and German Chancellor Angela, Mer Angela Merkel. Uh, Airbus declines to comment on the agreement, but in July, China Aviation Supplies Holding uh, signed for 45 A330s plus a memorandum of understanding for another 30 options. On the same day, Airbus sealed a framework agreement to set up um, an A330 completion centre in Tijanin. Uh, Tijan, sorry. Uh, it is unclear how the 130 aircraft will be allocated uh, among the Chinese airlines. No engine selection has so far been disclosed. So it's good news for Airbus then. Mm, that is definitely good news for it. And more aircraft has been ordered. Mm, absolutely. Again, so last week, I think we done Boeing, didn't we? Mm. So this week it's Airbus's turn. Yeah. So perhaps next week we'll have another big story on Boeing. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Swap backwards and forwards. Back we should try forward. and look for more manufacturers. We, could, mm. we keep covering Airbus and Boeing. We should try and look for the Embraers and, mm. and the Sukhoi jets and stuff. <laughs> What's the matter? It's all right. Jenny's put, hello, I'm the one that corrects your pronunciation. She's quite right. Oh, bless yeah. Jenny. <laughs> I, I, I hope the weather is nice in uh, Italy, Jenny. It's actually it's, a lovely it's day It's a lovely here. day here. It's it certainly a very is. Nice I bet you here. wish you were in the air, don't you? 
Not me. You, oh, yeah, I, I, well, you I, always wish you were in the I air, but I, I, meant, I, meant, yeah, <laughs> I but I meant more specifically right now. I know. I've got another yeah. cross-country to look forward to next Have week. When's so. that? When's the next week? Ooh. Next Friday, yeah. Next Friday. Yeah. Oh, is, is, is that conservatory studio then next week? <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, probably, yeah, it's up to you, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that is where we bring the uh, the civil aviation element uh, of the show, or the uh, commercial aircraft section, to a close. Uh, it's uh, time to go and put the kettle on, we're just going to have a quick cup of tea, I'll put it on me, shall we, here we are, we'll have a quick cup of tea, yeah. and uh, we will be right back after this pile of shiny new messages. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines well not anymore I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket, anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> And we're back again after that short break. Yes. I hope you enjoyed the uh, the new um, jingles and stuff and promos and bits mm-hmm. and pieces we had there. Um, for those of you who listened to uh, the Playing Crazy Down Under show, um, I was speaking to uh, Grant um, last week, and uh, he said that him and him and Steve have been so massively uh, tied up with work and stuff like that, and obviously Grant does his balloon flying mm. and bits and pieces that they just have not had a chance to put out show, but they have got loads of great content coming out uh, very soon, so uh, make sure you keep your eyes open on uh, PCDU, Playing Crazy Down Under, because um, they will be, be releasing another fresh yeah. show About soon. time too. 
Yeah, I'll have to have another go at him. Yeah. So uh, we have got uh, some military aviation news, and we've got uh, our first of the uh, two of the interviews that I took at the Malta International Mm, Air Show uh, this year to play. Uh, But we're going to do the military aviation news first. So uh, if you're ready, Matt. I am, yes, I certainly am. Let's go. So first news story on Flight Global then, and uh, the headline, Sikorsky CH-53K lifts off after a troubled start. So Sikorsky CH-53K King Stallion has finally reached day one of its 2,000-hour flight test program after a maiden 30-minute flight uh, this week at the company's development flight center in West Palm Beach, Florida. The flight comes after about uh, being a year late and, and nine years after Sikorsky received a system design and development contract from the Marine Corps to produce a replacement for the Sikorsky CH-53E Super Stallion. The H-53K looks similar to its predecessor but actually uh, has a brand new fly-by-wire glass cockpit. Uh, and can lift 12.2 tonnes, or 27,000 pounds of weight, or triple that uh, of the E-model. Uh, once deployed the, uh, with the U.S. Marine Corps, officials say it will revolutionise the way uh, the service uh, fl- fights wars and will be the largest helicopter in the U.S. military's toolbox. The first flight at uh, two minutes past eight in the morning on the 27th of October marks uh, the start of a three-year flight test program with uh, the first four engineering and manufacturing development EMD designed uh, assigned to that mission. The program has been plagued by delays and some uh, programmatic and budgetary and other technical issues. And Sikorsky had hoped to fly the EMD-1 last December, but several issues, including problems with the main rotor gearbox, pushed back that uh, event. The United States Marine Corps Program Manager for Heavy Lift uh, Helicopters, Colonel Hank Vandenborg, says the initial operational capability milestone planned for 2019 is still achievable with four aircraft despite the delay. However, he expects a three-month delay to being ready for a milestone C review by the Pentagon, a decision point that approves the entry into uh, low-rate initial production. The current estimate places that decision in January 2017. Another two are being purchased for the U.S. Naval Air Systems Command, VMX-22 and Test Evaluation Squadron. The contract for the long-lead parts uh, for that fifth and sixth helicopter were recently awarded to Sikorsky, and the full procurement contract is expected in 2016, officials say. To achieve the milestone C, Sikorsky must demonstrate the aircraft's full performance against the requirements set at the start of the program, such as lifting 12.2 tonnes mm. and uh, carrying a 5.4-tonne payload, 110 nautical miles. In terms of the next flight of EMD-1, Torok expects flights to occur every couple of weeks as data from each flight is processed and compared against engineering predictions and computer models. The company has already clocked 230 flight hours on its H53K ground test vehicle. Now, if you Matt, if you put that uh, yep, screenshot yep, on the, course, uh, yeah. those guys watching in the chat room will be yep, able to see okay. this helicopter on uh, in, in, on its test flight there. 
Wow. Uh, looks very similar to the Super Stanley, very similar, but obviously, mm. uh, as it said, it's got... Uh, it's got, got a weird lot... sort, of atta- uh, sort of an Apache feel about it, do you know what I mean? It's a lot bigger than the Apache. Yeah. Oh, well, there we are. A lot bigger. And he's got, he's got refueling boom at the front there. Yeah. And that is a huge aircraft, a huge helicopter. <laughs> Ray um, Davis has put, she's a very big chopper. She's a big chopper. Yes, she indeed. <laughs> Actually, yes uh, I must just say very quickly, I was a shameless plug, just saying hello to my friend Jonathan Powley. He's watching at the moment as well. Oh, is he? Yeah, hello, John. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ray Davis has also said Steve is uh, emceeing tonight for a charity event. And is with Red Bull winner Matt Hall. That's very cool. I'm on the wrong camera, aren't I? Yes. So sorry. <laughs> I'm being corrected. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. So the next story. Yes, indeed. Yeah, next story. Uh, this is on Flight Global uh, again. And the headline is USAF Intel chief proposes single operator MQ-9 cockpit. Uh, single operator ground stations and weapons carrying wingmen for the Lockheed Martin F-35 are two future capabilities desired by the U.S. Air Force's fleet for unmanned air systems, that's UAS, the service intelligence chief has said. For the past 15 years, the USAF has built a fleet of armed reconnaissance UAS with the General General Atomics Aeronautical Systems. I thought you were going to give me an easier story. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Now, the GAAS MQ-9 Reaper and high-altitude surveillance per platforms such as the Northrop Grumman RQ-4A Global Hawk. You're very mean to me considering I know very little about aviation. This is, this is but, a drone. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Is it? Oh, well, that's, 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 I've learned something already. But budget constraints have forced the Air Force to uh, prioritise modernisation programmes that make existing fleets more efficient. One major improvement could reduce a currently two-person Reaper flight crew by half on almost on most missions, says Lieutenant General Robert Otto, the Air Force's chief deputy chief for staff for intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance, which is ISR. Uh, there are uh, certainly missions today that could be done by one woman or one man, managing both the aircraft and the sensors if we are architect um, the uh, ground station to support its auto says this is really difficult to read so, uh, such a change could significantly reduce the air force's manpower problem the usaf now operates 60 continuous surveillance orbits with the mq-9 and the mq-1 predator which requires a uh, is it cadre c a d r e of around about a thousand pilots and a thousand sensor operators. By redesigning the ground station for single pilot operations like the Lockheed Martin F-16, the Air Force could potentially reduce the manpower requirement by hundreds of sensor operators. Otto says another upgrade uh, could introduce an auto land capability from the MQ-9, a capability that exists already on the RQ-4, Otto says. Uh, that could reduce the manpower requirement to staff launch and recovery element teams for which the uh, for of the 60 surveillance orbits in the long term Otto suggested the USAF uh, could solve another strategic problem for the USAF the uh, F-35A Lightning II has a limited weapons magazine requiring the aircraft to return to base and rearm by teaming an F-35 with an unmanned wingman Uh, that performs uh, as a weapons mule, the USAF could significantly increase the number of weapons at its disposal in combat operations, Otto also said. So the MQ-9 Reaper, uh, as I said to you, Matt, this is one of those um, unmanned aerial vehicles, the drones. And um, 
They have uh, a service ceiling height. The maximum height they can fly up to is 50,000 feet, these things. That's high. That's high. Yeah. It's very high. It's 15, mm. over 15,000 metres high. Um, and they have a, an endurance of 14 hours, these things can fly, on, uh, on a tank of fuel, mm. which is pretty cool. And uh, they can fly up to 300 miles an hour, That's which crazy. is pretty fast for uh, one of these unmanned. And they have uh, a, a crew on the ground, obviously, yep. of uh, two at a ground station. Wow. These MQ-9s, which is quite interesting. Absolutely. Clever so moving stuff. on to yeah. the next story on Flight Global, and uh, quite a nice story, this one. Uh, Turkey gifts its retired T-37 trainers to Pakistan. Oh, that's cool. So Turkey is to donate 34 Cessna T-37 Tweet jet trainers. Cessna. Uh, Cessna. Light attack that aircraft. That you're well, it's a bit different to what <laughs> I fly. Yes. Uh, to Pakistan in an agreement signed on the 28th of October. Mm. A decision followed high level military talks between the two countries in Ankara, where Turkey agreed to supply the aircraft plus spares gratis to Islamabad. Mm. Uh, General Navid Ahmed, uh, Director General of Defence Procurement for Pakistan, signed the agreement with Maj General, Major General Sadar Gulbas, the Turkish Chief of Logistics. Pakistan already operates 18 T-37s that entered service in June this year, and the only other current operator of the T-37 is the Colombian Air Force. Uh, Turkey's Air Force retired the T-37s in around 2009, replacing them with 40 Korean Airspace Industries KT-1 trainers that were delivered this year. An additional 15 examples were covered by a letter of intent. Meanwhile, the Pakistani Air Force is offering two Lockheed Martin C-130 transports to help deliver aid to Chicharal following the earthquake uh, early this week, as well as airlifting injured people away from the area. Pakistan operates 15 ex-US Air Force C-130s plus a former Pakistan International Airlines operated L-100. And uh, fleet analysis shows that uh, the average fleet uh, age of their aircraft at being some 50 years old. Right. Oh, that's quite nice, isn't it? It's very, very good of them. Gifting yeah. aircraft yeah. And, well, and parts. Well, as you say, it's probably, you know, if they have retired it, the spare parts and everything are not any use yeah, to them. I think it's uh, rather than just scrapping the damn things. I mean, what a, what a, what a very, as you say, very nice gesture. Well, I wish someone would do that with me. Don't <laughs> donate an aircraft to me. That'd be that'd be quite nice. Yes, I I, I fear uh, if your if your normal Cessna is anything to go by, the running costs and, and maintenance costs and things must be quite a terrifying thing. That's that's no mean. But thing. the the T thirty seven that we're talking about here that's been donated mm. and they first flew in nineteen fifty four. Gosh. And retired by the USAF in two thousand nine. Wow. Um, and there's been over a thousand of these built. Uh, right. But they're uh, quite a dainty little trainer. Dainty. You have to look those ones up. Is there it's, a picture it, there? Uh, we haven't got it on here, but no, um, for those of you with, with the ability to Google, Google. if you uh, just uh, just look at the Cessna T37 tweet, you'll get uh, quite a nice picture on there. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan's now joined us in the chat room, by the way. Jonathan Warner? No. No? No, Jonathan Powley. Oh, Jonathan Powley, sorry. Yeah. I think he works where you do. Possibly. I <laughs> I know, many people. Yes, I know many people and none at all. <laughs> Sounds about right. So yeah. the last story on... <clears throat> yes, uh, the last story is on the uh, Royal Air Force website. Uh, so it's uh, www.raf.mod.uk. And the headline is, RAF Falcons showcase their skills in South Korea. 
the Royal Air Force Falcons Parachute Display Team has showcased their skills in South Korea this week at the Seoul Aerospace and Defense Exhibition 2015 International Air Show. Uh, Seoul ADEX is the latest defense exhibition in Korea, which is held biannually and attracted 105,000 trade and public visitors in 2013. Uh, RAF Chief of Staff for Capability Air Vice Marshal Malcolm Brecht told the uh, uh, took the salute following the team's first display on Tuesday the 20th of October. Commenting on the team's contribution, Air Vice Marshal Brecht said that it is fantastic to see the RAF Falcons here alongside our A400M Atlas transport aircraft. Please do not underestimate how important this showcase is to British industry for each display the RAF Falcons have used a Korean crewed Chinook aircraft as their jumping platform working alongside their Korean colleagues they have completed three displays this week drawing their 2015 display season to a close in fine style as well as displaying their parachuting skills the RAF Falcons have been fortunate enough to meet with the Republic of Korea's parachute display team with the help of an interpreter the teams discussed uh, equipment qualifications and training which assisted the understanding of each other's parachuting capabilities and uh, development potential for both teams. Officer Commanding Flight Lieutenant Ollie Smith said, uh, this is my final year with the RAF Falcons team and I'm honoured to have had the opportunity to represent the RAF Air Force at uh, Seoul ADAX. Uh, It has been a fantastic experience so far and I can't think of a better way to end this chapter of my career. The RAF Falcons also visited two two schools this week, Seoul Foreign School and Dulwich College, providing a well-received presentation about the RAF Falcons and their role with the Royal Air Force. Children were given the opportunity to try on parachute equipment and talk uh, to the team members about their personal experiences. Corporal Mark O'Brien who was in his first year with the team, said it has been a challenging and rewarding first season having had the opportunity to display at an international air show this year and experience the Korean culture. I cannot wait to see what the next two years has in store for us. Now, I saw a parachute display team at the Mm. uh, Malta National Air Show. They're a uh, Princess of Wales um, regiment, um, uh, done a parachute display team. Mm. And although it's not, you know, they haven't got wings and engines no, and no, stuff, no, no, they're no. still no. brilliant to watch. The well, it's the, the video we put out of Skippy, um, mm. sorry, Adrian, uh, Adrian. last last week. Um, and, I mean, it was fascinating. I mean, the view is great, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you've got, oh, it's just, it's it's not something I'll ever do. Um, but, um, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> I'll do it if I have to. What, you know, what, if, what if there's ha- something wrong with the aeroplane, I'll happily do it. But <laughs> what, what, what I'm going to have to do, Matt, is we're going to have to do a kind of A-team esque thing with you and i shall offer you a glass of milk right. and uh and i then, don't like where this is going <laughs> and then we shall take you on a plane there's going to be no rehypnol in this right no, just, just, just have you seen a team <laughs> yes i've seen a team oh, yes i've seen a team how dare you honestly no, yeah we're gonna like the greatest gonna, thing in the world know, we're gonna ba you yeah mm, well, not breathing apparatus <laughs> excellent all right okay good <laughs> winning yeah so then moving on to uh, to the next part of the show then we yes. have uh, this week got our uh, interviews that i took at the malta international yes. air show this so we've got year two of these, we've got we? two of these yep. this week okay. we, we have got quite a few to get through it's going to take a, yep, at least absolutely. another three or four episodes definitely but we have got two to bring you this week mm. so uh, we are going to bring you those interviews from the malta international air show Sweet. 2015 right now So you join me then at the Malta International Air Show 2015. 
and uh, I'm lucky enough to be here on holiday and at an air show, so I am very happy indeed. And uh, I'm staying on the flight line here in the glorious sunshine on the island of Malta, and uh, I've managed to uh, catch up uh, with uh, one of the display team pilots, and uh, your name? My name is uh, Captain Kostadinos Pechlevanis, I'm from Greece, uh, representing uh, Hellenic Air Force with the Dedalus uh, T-6 demo team. Awesome, so the aircraft you fly, the T-6, yeah? Yeah, T-6 uh, Texan II, originally made uh, by Raytheon, uh, now it's a Beechcraft company. Oh, brilliant. So is it purely an aerobatic aircraft or does it t- serve other, other purposes? No, main role uh, is training. Uh, we use uh, back in Greece uh, for training uh, for initial and basic phase, phase one and two, uh, for our uh, cadets. Oh, brilliant. So ha- what does the training involve uh, for becoming a display pilot on the T-6? Uh, starting with uh, 17 uh, flights, uh, some of it uh, are solo flights, and uh, the rest of them is uh, dual with uh, the elder uh, or senior uh, member of the team. Then... A lot of practicing, of course. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, the aircraft itself you fly, is that a twin-seat aircraft? Is it uh, dual-seat or dual...? It's uh, dual-seated, as every training aircraft. Uh, normally, the student uh, takes uh, the front seat and the instructor pilot sits on the rear. But in displaying, uh, of course, uh, the one who flies sits in the front. Uh, the aft seat is uh, normally empty. Okay, cool. What's it like to fly the uh, the T6 in a display? Is it is it the speed and that the agility of the aircraft? Okay, yeah, the aircraft is uh, fantastic and very agile. So if uh, you're focused and well trained, uh, you don't have to worry for anything. And uh, it's a good opportunity to show to the people uh, the abilities of the aircraft. Excellent. So the aircraft is a four prop uh, propeller on the front here. Is it a fairly fast aircraft? It's fast, uh, although from the company is limited, uh, the soft course power is limited to only 1,100. But uh, taking speeds up to 316 knots and uh, flies uh, accelerations up to 70s plus and uh, minus 3.5. Oh, wow. That must be fantastic to, uh, to fly a display, or even just to fly the aircraft. You must really enjoy your, uh, your job. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, in everyday life, uh, instructing young people that are keen to be your mates uh, in the near future is something challenging. And, of course, uh, displaying is another talent uh, that uh, you have to eager about, to eager about and uh, to be happy every time. Excellent. So how did your career start then? Uh, back in 2001, as a cadet in the Hellenic Air Force Academy. So it's been now 14 years in service. 14 years in service. Well, well done, well done. And how did it progress? Did you start off in smaller aircraft when you started off learning to fly? Uh, as every cadet uh, in the Hellenic Air Force, so we are starting with a screening phase with a uh, T-41, it's uh, similar to Cessna R-172. Uh, okay. okay. And the initial and basic phase uh, are uh, later on with uh, Tango 6 aircrafts. And uh, the final phase is before getting to fighters. Uh, it is with uh, Tango 2 aircraft, uh, Bakai, if you know. It's an old aircraft. But 
still uh, good for uh, the work that uh, we are using too. Uh, then I get transferred to the A7, the Corsairs, but now it's history. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, I've been uh, an instructor pilot here again in Tango 6 uh, for the last uh, six years. Oh, wow, that's a great career. So what's, what's your future plans? I probably will end my flying career in Tago 6, uh, and that will happen eventually five to six years from here, and then uh, we'll see. Oh, brilliant. The moment. So do you do any flying, uh, private flying yourself in any other aircraft, or sort of with a hobby, or a... a no, unfortunately, not so far. <laughs> not so Because okay. you have great weather over there in Greece to be able to fly. Yeah, of course, but uh, I'm taking advantage of the weather for uh, any other activities, uh, scuba diving, sailing, uh, snorkeling, uh, spearfishing, uh, skiing, uh, whatever else uh, you need to, uh, to do. Oh, brilliant. Well, well, thanks for giving us your time today on the Plane Talking UK podcast. It's been great to speak to you, and I hope you enjoy uh, the rest of your show here at the Malta International Air Show 2015. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Nice Thank to meet you. Thank you. Okay, so you join me back again at the uh, Malta International Air Show 2015, and uh, I'm standing right up and close uh, to a CP140, and I'm here with Chris Beck. Chris, uh, what's your, your, uh, your job within the uh, force? I'm a... Uh my, I guess I'm a flight commander. Uh, I work as the operational force development flight commander for the uh, CP-140 fleet in Canada. So uh, essentially what we take a look at is uh, tactics development uh, is, is the primary part of my job. And uh, obviously the CP-140 uh, is uh, very software dependent. And uh, we also take a look at um, software development, operational liaison acceptance with uh, software programmers. And that's, the, that's the business part of my job, I guess, the, uh, the boring part of my job from my perspective. I'm also a pilot, uh, first, and, first and foremost, and uh, absolutely love flying this airplane. It's a great, uh, great plane. So tell us a bit about the CP-140 then. Okay, well, the CP-140, it's uh, a long-range patrol aircraft. Uh, we do a number of roles to include search and rescue. Uh, the aircraft was originally designed for anti-submarine warfare, which we were just recently exercising in Sigonella, Italy. Uh, we also do intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance in the overland role. Uh, we currently have two CP-140s in, uh, in Kuwait supporting, uh, I guess, operations in, over, in and over Iraq. Uh, so a uh, no, number of different roles, very versatile airplane, but... Um, yeah, sovereignty patrols as well, fisheries patrols, these types of things. And what's, oh, what's you like to fly? We always get asked this question by the listeners. What does the airplane like to fly? That's well, a great airplane from a pilot's perspective. You know, it's large, uh, four-engine uh, turboprop. But uh, we fly the airplane down as low as 100 feet and as high as the service ceiling as well. Uh, at night time, it's not uncommon to fly the airplane around 300 feet uh, at night. Uh, in pitch darkness on the instruments, uh, chasing submarines on an exercise like we were just doing. Uh, and during the daytime, we'll go down to 100 feet uh, straight and level and uh, 200 feet uh, in the daytime maneuvering. And when I say maneuvering, that's up to 60-degree uh, angle of bank, pulling two Gs, uh, turning the aircraft around, on-topping sauna boys and on-topping submarines. Oh, wow. Sounds like, sounds like an awesome job you have, for sure. It is a lot of fun, yeah. Like I said, uh, the best days uh, that I have are the ones that are uh, in, in this office here on board the airplane. Uh, 
the other part of the job, of course, is uh, like any military uh, pilot, there's always the staff work that's involved, and that's the uh, the work that I do with Operation Liaison Acceptance and the tactics development, which in itself is rewarding, but uh, if I have my choice, I certainly prefer uh, being in the cockpit. Brilliant. So what uh, the aircraft itself you're flying, is it uh, fairly uh, an old aircraft, a newish aircraft? This Pretty airplane aircraft that we're around, in front of was... Uh, on topping Sonoboys and on topping submarines. Oh, uh, but it has been completely modernized. The entire inside of the aircraft with the mission systems and equipment are modernized. The flight deck is modernized. Uh, we have new wings, actually, on this airplane and a new empennage as well uh, that have been strengthened. So, uh, yeah. It looks awesome. It does really look awesome. So you were saying uh, earlier before we start the uh, interview, then, it's your first time back at uh, the Malta Air Show for quite a few years. It has, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it happened to be a coincidence. Uh, there was a, uh, an opportunity for us to come over here and participate in the Malta International Air Show. Uh, crowd, uh, the, the, the crowds have been great. Uh, Malta itself is absolutely a beautiful place, and uh, yeah, we're just really pleased to be back here. Great, cool. So where's home for you? My home is... Uh, Greenwood, Nova Scotia. Um, I actually live in Kingston. They're sort of twin to cities, but uh, are, we're based out of Greenwood, Nova Scotia, which is on the east coast of Canada. Cool. Uh, do you fly any other aircraft at all? Um, no. Right now, I only fly the CP-140. Uh, I just actually returned to flying the CP-140 in August of last year. Um, for the four years prior to that, I was actually flying the NATO AWACS uh, in, out of Gallenkirchen, Germany, the Boeing 707, which is right here beside us. That's cool. So a bit about yourself and your career. How did things start with uh, for you with aviation? Was it an early, like like myself, an early kind of passion for a flying? My father was a uh, was a tracker pilot uh, with the Canadian Royal Canadian Navy, and and uh, afterwards he flew Seekings uh, Seeking helicopter. Um, he probably spurred my interest in aviation, but I knew from a very young age, probably about four or five years old, that it was uh, aviation that was the business I wanted to go into. Uh, I earned my private pilot's license when I was in high school. Uh, had a little bit of a diversion, went off to uni for a couple of years, uh, but realized that it was aviation I wanted to go back to. And I did a uh, bush pilot program in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada, uh, called Confederation College. Um, yeah, that, and that was, that was absolutely fantastic. It was uh, five consecutive semesters over two years. Uh, so flying and flying in the bush in northern Ontario. And then uh, I guess it was in my final year of, uh, of that program that the Canadian Forces were uh, advertising for pilots. I made an application, um, was fortunate enough to be uh, selected, and uh, the rest is sort of history from there. I, uh, with my dad having that sort of history and uh, uh, that, that experience in naval aviation, I knew that I wanted to fly an airplane that was involved in that as well. So the CP-140 with its anti-submarine warfare role uh, and, and coastal patrol uh, sovereignty, um, that seemed to be the airplane uh, for me. Uh, I asked for that. Um, I was fortunate enough to get it on my first tour. Uh, flew that for 10 years, over to Germany for four years on the NATO AWACS, and then, uh, as I said, I've been back with this one now, so uh, just over a year now. Brilliant. What's the future hold for you? What, what are your plans for the future? Well, I'm, I'm just about to finish up a 20-year contract uh, with the Canadian Forces. Um, we're, we're a little bit undecided as to, as to what happens after this. Uh, uh, I do have interest in, in commercial aviation. I'd, I'd love to fly for a commercial operator. Uh, I, I guess uh, after having flown the Boeing, uh, you know, that uh, that sort of wet my appetite for... Air, Air Canada? Air Canada or maybe uh, maybe WestJet or there's uh, there's cargo jet as well in in, uh, in Canada and they, they seem like uh, some pretty great companies to work for. But, you know, I'll have to do my research and uh, 
if I'm fortunate enough to be picked up with one of those companies, that would be very great. That's one of the things we cover a lot in the shows is, uh, is a lot of the pilots who go from the military into, into commercial flying for airlines. And for, for all the reports we hear, it is an easy process, or you, you get picked easy and quite fast from the military to go into commercial. They see you as, a, as kind of already, you know, you're ready to go. Well, I hope, so. <laughs> I hope that's true. Um, you know, uh, I, th- I think uh, military, uh, military folks, uh, we, we, we do have something to offer, and, and um, we, we do have some great skill sets. But that's not to say that we're better than... Uh, you know the commercial pilots that are in the industry that have that have come up and done their time in the bush or, or flight instructing or anything else like that. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's down to the individual and uh, what skill sets they bring to the game. So, uh, you know, I I, I I hope that my my military flying it gives me some uh, some edge, uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that's the case. <laughs> well, I wish you all the best for uh, for the future, Chris. I hope. Uh, Hope all your dreams come true with your flying. And uh, thank you ever so much for giving your time onto the Plane Talking UK podcast today. It's been great to speak to you. Thank you so much. It's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's always great to speak with other aviation enthusiasts. Uh, I could probably stand here and talk about airplanes and flying all day long. Shall we? Yeah, we, we could. We could. Yeah, no, thank you very much. No, it's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you as well. Okay, I'm, thanks for your time and take care. Yeah, thank you. Take care. And uh, to all your with- listeners out there, um, all the best with your aviation careers. Thank you. What an insanely nice man. I know. He was... Uh, what What I didn't actually... Uh, or what you didn't see before that was the fact that uh, that me and Chris Beck would uh, we'd actually been standing there for about 25 minutes talking before oh, I started. Oh, wow, before you even started recording. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There was, I was behind the flight line as well. I was standing uh, right next to the, uh, the, the CP-140, yeah. and um, we were just chatting away merrily about aviation and flying for, <laughs> for yeah. ages. I should just stress to the, uh, to the YouTube listeners uh, at the moment, uh, that uh, during that interview, Carlos got a little distracted and a little overexcited because we've been joined by a very special guest in the chat room. Yes, welcome into the <laughs> chat room, Dr. Steph. Just in time for us to bring the show to a close. But anyway. <laughs> for those of you who listen to the uh, Airline Pilot Guy show, you'll know uh, Dr. You'll Steph, know Dr. Steph is, is one of the yeah. co-hosts of that mm. show. And she's joined us in the chat room. Yes, okay. after, uh, after Find us. out what she's doing next Saturday. Maybe I know. she could join us. I Dr. Think. Steph, what are you doing next Saturday? You could join us via Skype. Join us via yeah. Skype. Yeah, Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, those are the uh, the first two interviews, and from the Malta International Air Show, um, the first one obviously with uh, Captain Kosadinius Speklevanis from the T six Texan uh, Greek Daedalus T six demos team. Yeah, and uh, he was he was young. He was only about twenty. He's in his early twenties. <laughs> he was so young, really. And he he done an excellent display at the yeah. uh, at the air Absolutely. show. Well, a very interesting listen. This, this and is, um, the next one was uh, was uh, flight uh, commander Chris Beck from the Canadian Air Force mm-hmm. with the CP one forty. And uh, again, like uh, like I just said, he was uh, he was a great guy to talk to. We we found that a lot of the time. I mean, even at Riyadh, I mean, that's the, my first experience yeah. of going to to an air show and sort of talking to these pilots. And, that, and it's so exciting that they're so generous with their time. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, they must be fed up of the same questions <laughs> being asked week in, week out, day in, well, day well, out. But well, I for mean, me, it was the best of both worlds. I was on holiday. Yeah. I was at an air show. Yeah. 
uh, it, you know, in my favourite country in the world. Yes. Yeah, in the uh, whole and, world. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to someone, you know... Who's uh, almost as nuts about aeroplanes <laughs> as you. I <laughs> <Yeah. know>. <laughs> Which <laughs> I didn't think was possible. I've got to be honest. I didn't think that was actually possible. Yeah. We've had <laughs> some... Uh, so going, going into the chat room then. Yes. Uh, we've had, uh, we've had uh, loads, of, loads of people in the chat room today. And uh, loads, loads of people to mention. And um, obviously, as we said, uh, Dr. Steph has come in to the chat room. Um, but she can, she can download the show. I'm sure she can Jeez. go on iTunes and download yeah. the show. Not till uh, tomorrow, though. Not till tomorrow, no. Tomorrow morning we publish. Um, but no, it's been great to see all you guys in the chat room joining us again this week for uh, another live show. So next week, me and Matt will... Probably. Apparently, Steph is sleeping in. Oh, Steph uh, is sleeping in. <laughs> so, so no show. Doctor Steph, it's it's two minutes past twelve on Not a, where on is a Saturday o'clock. Don't be afternoon. horrible. I know. Sorry. Eight o'clock. You big meanie. She, she won't come on if you're being horrible. Oh, Indeed. Anyway, uh, that is sadly where we have to bring our episode number eighty-four to, to a close. A, 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 no, a close. No. I it's know. sad. I do. I, I you do, do you, I wish you get so excited. You enjoy doing this so lo- much, don't you? This, this, <laughs> this really, this really is like. The, I know it's, it's probably sad to say, but yes, I yes, do, it does. I do look forward uh, to yeah. to the show each week, and yes. um, you know, it's mm. it's just you know, it's a shame. I, I used to think he enjoyed it because it meant he got to see me every week. But, I do. But, <laughs> I get to see. I see. I see Matt yeah. <laughs> more than I see my own parents. Well, that's true. Yes, <laughs> sometimes more than your own wife. <laughs> that actually, it's funny you say that, Matt, because because Gemma Gemma did say to me the yeah. other day that I do see you more than I do her. Yes, I know. Which yes. is kind, it's kind of worrying. That is a bit sad, isn't it? Poor, Ooh, uh, she, poor works, she works so hard. Bless her. She really does. Anyway. Oh, we've had it. Oh, Adrian. Adrian oh. Meacham. Oh, right. Hello, Adrian Meacham. Uh, had to come to work today to catch up, but it's pretty awesome to listen to the show whilst I'm here. Oh. Keep up the good work. Thank That's you, Adrian. Thank you, Adrian. Your That's wife. very good of you. Hello, Hello Adrian. Adrian. Yes, hi. <coughs> Do you uh, like my T-shirt, by the way? Oh, look at Matt's T-shirt. If you can all read that. There we go. Coach driver. Because oh, coach driver because freaking awesome, awesome isn't a real job Isn't title. a real job title. Uh, <laughs> No. Okay. I'll I would show you my T-shirt, but it's boring. Yeah, yes. I've got a boring I'll T-shirt just, on today. I'll just sit here and talk. I'm uh, sorry. Doctor <laughs> Steph, Doctor Steph has put that she'll listen to the show via iTunes. Ah, good girl. Yes. Uh, and everyone has agreed Saturday morning is a good time for the show. Right. We're going to okay. have to do Saturday mornings. Are we? Okay. Yeah. All right then. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. So uh, we've got things up. Our listeners have spoken. I know. Yes. Our listeners. In the chat room, have spoken. Yes. So, so obviously, you are probably listening to this on YouTube or uh, you, loads of places you can get it from. As I say, YouTube is where we do a live feed. We always publish the show uh, later on. Um, but uh, to get in touch with the show, don't forget you want to go to www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash uk. Twitter, it's our handle is at plain talking uk if you are a youtube user and you enjoy watching uh, us put the show out as i say we always do the live thing uh, and then on the sunday we publish like you know the show as if you were listening to it on on using your usual podcast uh, source but if you subscribe to the youtube chat youtube channel it will actually notify you on your phone if you've got if you've oh. got an android device yeah. when the feed goes live and obviously when the new show itself actually gets released so if you are a youtube watcher then make sure you subscribe to our channel 
that channel and you'll know the minute we hit the go live button um, so uh, yes, it's uh, it's all, it's all very good. So we will aim for next Saturday. We'll aim for next Saturday. Um, oh, don't forget, please. We want your feedback yeah, as send well. Us, send us audio feedback, feedback is great. Yeah. We 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 love receiving that. It's great fun. And uh, our email address is now working. I have mended it, and it is podcast at plaintalkinguk dot com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. dot com. <laughs> Just reading the chat room is so funny. Right. So uh, thanks everyone in the chat room uh, who's Don't joined today. Don't you buy today. me flowers? I'm Don't not you buying dare. you flowers. <laughs> Uh, Rob, Rob, uh, uh, thanks, Rob. Rob yep. has obviously done our jingles yes, for us, uh, yeah, yeah. and Lie as well. Yeah, Lie's done. Lie's done. You as wait well. till you hear Pip's one. I know. Oh God dear, Blimey. I, I um, go a bit funny listening to it even now. <laughs> so Ray Davis, uh, thanks to you as well, yeah. and Shirt Baker. I hope I've got that Shirt one Baca. right. Shirt Baker, that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, uh, and thank you for joining us there as well. And we've got Ray Davis. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Masha Gertz. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Steph, Doctor uh, Steph. Doctor Steph as well. Just joined us at the end. Uh, thank you very much indeed for uh, for coming for waking up and uh, joining mm, us absolutely. on the show this morning. And um, I'm just scrolling. Oh, don't, not forgetting Jennifer Parkinson. Of course, Jenny yeah, yeah, over yeah. in Rome. In lovely, lovely, Italy. lovely yes. Italy. Yes. yes. Uh, thank you to you as well. And um, we've also. Where we? I'm scrolling down. Paul Tricker as well. Paul Tricker. Yes, mm-hmm. Paul. Hello to you as well, Paul, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, I'm just scrolling down the list here. We're just going uh, just very quickly before we. Oh, go. and Adrian as well. Don't forget. Adrian. Oh yes, of course, Adrian. Yes, uh, we've got. Uh, Obviously, we uh, we covered this in the news stories earlier yep. on in Absolutely. the show yeah. uh, of the terrible crash of the Russian Airbus A321. Mm. Um, Egyptian rescue. This is just uh, on the Sky News' mm. website actually, um, yeah. which was uh, released. This released is just about an hour about ago. An hour ago. Uh, Egyptian rescue officers at the Russian jet crash site said they've found the bodies of five children in the search for survivors. And also, um, a, a massively um, good piece of news is that voices apparently uh, have been heard inside the wreckage of the Russian passenger plane, mm. uh, which has crashed over central Sinai with 224 people on board. Uh, an officer at the scene uh, told a news agency, Reuters, that they hoped to find survivors, uh, especially after hearing pained voices of people inside the wreckage. Right. Uh, it's said that the plane uh, split in two and rescuers uh, had, f- uh, had found it at, um, at, oh, bodies at the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, still in the seats, and oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, they've, uh, according to this, rescuers have discovered the black box, uh, the flight data recorder, um, which uh, which they'll obviously be taking that to yeah. um, to one of the specialist places to to download and listen yeah. to that. Um, again, the Airbus A321, operated by the Russian airline uh, Kogal Mavia, uh, was travelling from the Egyptian resort of Sharm El Sheikh to uh, the Russian city of St. Petersburg. Uh, which, when it disappeared, 23 minutes uh, into its flight. So we're going to um, obviously mm. look out uh, on yeah. the news feeds and um, you know follow this one on there. Yeah. Any, um, any significant news for next week? Obviously, f- if you're already following Facebook and Twitter, obviously you'll you'll be aware of uh, anything that we post. But we'll have a, a full update for you in next week's show. So thanks again for joining us on episode mm-hmm. 84 yep. of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Thanks again to everyone in the chat room for joining us. And um, hopefully we'll, uh, I'll be um, 
watching online uh, yeah. one of uh, airline pilot guys shows yes, with, uh, with Dr. Steph in, their, in their next show yes. and uh, just just while while we're in in the chat room talking about that in the chat room they've been dis- discussing um uh, Captain Jeff's unique pronunciation of Farnborough. Okay, Farnborough. Yes. Now Farnborough. we we pronounce it here. As far as I'm aware, in the UK, Doctor Steph, because she's going to have a good go. Apparently, Dr. Steph, uh, come on. At, uh, at getting apparently her uh, attempt has been best according to the chat room with regard to it. So I pronounce it because I'm slightly posh because I'm nice like that. It's frightfully lovely here, um, and uh, I pronounce it Farnborough. Farnborough. I say Farnborough. Right. Farnborough. Yeah. So here in the UK, we pronounce it as Farnborough. So if you if you if you just say farn, f a r n, yeah, and bruh, bruh, farn, bruh, yeah, that's your best bet. So there we go, there we go, Doctor Steph. So farn, and bruh, indeed. Yeah. As in, oh, it's cold. Yeah. Brr, chilly. Oh, chilly. Anyway, <laughs> yes, that is it. That is the end of episode 84. As I say, obviously, a very busy show. Uh, lots of sad news, I'm afraid, obviously, given the uh, latest updates on this uh, on this uh, air car, aircraft crash, obviously, uh, involving the Russian mm. airlines. So the A321, wasn't it? Hopefully, they'll find some people. Still Absolutely. Uh, well, any survivors are better than none, yeah. none whatsoever. So that's it for this week. Uh, well, sorry to end on a sad note. Um, but uh, yes, join us next next Saturday. And by the send us some voice feedback. Please, yes, we want voice <laughs> feedback. Yes, as I say, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's it. Goodbye here from the kitchen studio. It's a sunny goodbye from me because it is sunny outside. It is sunny outside. Yeah, I'm not going to open outside. the curtains because the cameras are completely white out. Okay. But uh, yes, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.